Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Everyday People. Jeff, we officially have a name that's kind of sticking. Um, and as always, of course, I'm joined by Jeff. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Dave? I'm doing well. And uh, you have a special guest you brought in today as well, too. Yeah. So today we have my older brother, uh, Jamie Kerchick, who is a visiting fellow at the Brookings Institution. He's been a political journalist for his entire career. Um, I've kind of had to live in his shadow, which has been fun, but he travels all over the world. He's been on cable news. Um, you know, you see his writing all over the place. So uh, welcome to, uh, to Jamie. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, Jamie, thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, this, will be, this will be a fun episode. So we have two topics we want to discuss today. The first is the state of the Democratic primary, uh, particularly the rise of Bernie and the fall of Bloomberg. Um, and next, we want to talk about the recent actions in the Trump administration post-impeachment acquittal. So first, with, uh, with the recent news of Bernie winning Nevada, it's seeming more and more likely that, or probable, that Bernie's going to be the, the, the main Democratic nominee. Uh, I know you both have pretty strong opinions about Bernie, and as soon as it went in, Jeff, you as soon as the news of Bernie winning Nevada, I immediately thought of you and uh, kind of wanted to get your perspective as someone who has a hot and cold relationship with Bernie. Or I wouldn't even say hot and cold, mainly cold. Yeah, I mean, I'm not thrilled about it. Um, I, I, I'd take pretty much anybody but Bernie at this point. It feels to me like we are running to the extremes. On one side, you have Donald Trump, which is, you know, kind of comical that we've elected him as president. And on the other side, we have what is basically, uh, you know, admittedly a full-blown socialist. And, you know, it feels to me like we are more polarized than ever. It's unfortunate. Um, I'm not a big, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Bernie fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused though, as to why, you know, you watch these debates and the whole, the whole, the whole thing though, like the follow-up on the debate was, oh, like Liz Warren really gave it to Bloomberg and, you know, Buttigieg and Klobuchar had this whole, you know, spat, right? And you see all these memes about them now. And then Joe Biden is kind of just sitting there watching it all unfold. And, you know, there, there were even memes about him just like watching all the carnage around, around him. But, you know, nobody's going after Bernie. It's, it's a little weird to me that all the moderate candidates are, and I, I would probably not say that Warren is a moderate candidate. She's probably a little more closer to Bernie in, in my estimation, but regardless the that all the the rest of the candidates are seemingly going after one another but kind of leaving bernie unscathed in these debates which i don't understand um maybe they're maybe they think the long game is that he's going to disappear and that they feel that they don't need to touch him but um the more and more momentum that he builds it's it's strange to me that they are all kind of just sitting there going after one another and letting him get away with you know, ranting. And like, like I said, last time, I feel like, I feel like my parents are telling me to, maybe it's just be, you know, maybe it's just because, uh, you know, growing up with a Jewish mom was one thing, but you know, it's another when you've got, you know, Bernie Sanders just yelling at you through the TV. Um, I don't know why people are just letting him, you know, get away with murder here. I, I, so, uh, Buttigieg seemed like the only one that was actually going against them. I still feel like people have this idea that like, uh, you know, Bloomberg was going to be 
the Bloomberg was was the main competition. I think probably because he's he's taken over the media so much with his uh, with his ridiculous ad spends. But I don't know when you say Bernie's a, a full blown socialist, like he's just not like he's not a. Although he labels himself democratic socialist, which I like, don't know why he does that because his policies are more in line with an like FDR New Deal Democrat. Uh, he's not a full blown socialist. What, 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 what makes you say that he's not a full-blown socialist? Well, like a full-blown socialist would be the complete ownership of the government ownership of like the means of, of production, distribution, and that, that everything is owned by the community, by society. That's more of a communist, I would say. I think he is a, um, I think he's, he would be the most radical president in terms of his policies than, than anyone. I think he would go beyond FDR. He believes in a federal jobs guarantee. Anyone who wants a job would get, and, and he would double the minimum wage. So it'd be something like $30 an hour for anyone who wants it. And you, you won't even find, you know, the British Labor Party under Jeremy Corbyn, which is pretty radical left wing. Even they don't go that far. Um, you know, he's advocated in the past, you know, for anyone, all income over a million dollars should be taxed at 100%. Um, there's just a whole rap sheet on this guy and we don't, we, we can get into the foreign policy questions. I mean, during the cold war, you know, he basically supported, uh, or was sympathetic towards a whole variety of re revolutionary socialist, but also communist movements, um, in Cuba, the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Um, and he, and you're right. He's the Democrats have treated him with kid gloves. I mean, for all the criticism that's been directed at Hillary by Bernie supporters in 2016, she didn't lay a finger on him. She didn't go after him at all for this stuff. And I can just tell you that, you know, as long as this persists and the Democrats don't say anything, you can be sure that the Republicans are gonna make a lot of hay out of Bernie Sanders' past and the things that he's said, the people that he's associated with, the movements and the governments that he's endorsed. Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it would be a, a George McGovern style landslide like in 1972 where Richard Nixon won every single state except Massachusetts. You know, we, we, we live in a much more partisan country and there's, there's no way that any candidate would ever be able to get 49 states. But I think it would be, I think it would be a blowout if, if the Democrats were stupid enough to, to nominate Bernie Sanders. So I, I like, I almost, so in my, my immediate reaction, by the way, like I have a weird relationship with Bernie. Like I, I like some of the stuff, the, the past history uh, does kind of concern me more from a politics standpoint than a um than the than the actual than actually what he did uh the perception of it scares me a bit more than than his actual endorsements um of of some of like g going to russia for his honeymoon <laughs> going to the ussr yeah. for his honeymoon like that that's just it doesn't look great. However, like if you it's look more at than not looking great. I mean, he goes there and he comes back and he doesn't have a word of criticism about this country. All he, can, all he can do is enthuse about the wonderful chandeliers in the subway and how everyone can get opera tickets for $2 and what a great place it is. I mean, he's going to a country that, uh, you know, it was a dictatorship and that, and that treated its people very poorly. And he, had to say he has a total, total blind spot. And I think it's going to be really amusing to watch Democrats who've spent the past four years persisting in claiming that Donald Trump is a Russian asset, right? He was recruited by the Soviet Union and he's Putin's pawn and Putin's puppet and one thing after the other. What are they going to do when they nominate a man 
who spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, who's traveled to Managua in the 1980s to you know, stand beside Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas, who uh, was praising Cuba and Fidel Castro. I think it's going to be really amusing to watch people like Rachel Maddow and the whole lineup at MSNBC try to twist themselves into pretzels after the past four years of you know, obsessing on the Russia uh, issue with, with, with Donald Trump. But the, but the Russia of today is far different than the, the USSR. Like the yeah, it's not as bad. It's not as cruel or, as, or it's, it's a lot better. I mean, it's bad, but it's not, it's not the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union was a totalitarian uh, regime. I mean, Vladimir Putin's Russia is, a, is certainly an authoritarian dictatorship, but it's not nearly as repressive or threatening uh, to the United States and its allies as the Soviet Union was. So it's even worse, I think, that when you, when you take that into consideration. What, what else is the, the big concerns that you both have towards Bernie? Um, well, I've talked about this before. I think the, 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 to me, the rhetoric is like the left's version of Donald Trump, where everything is, everything is, uh, is delivered in such, with such extremity, right? So, for example, the idea that billionaires are bad people, you know, that, that you know, and, and like, I want to talk about Bloomberg in a little bit. That's a, I, you know, I'll, I'll save my, I'll save that for later, but you know, they were kind of going after Bloomberg on the stage, Warren and, and Sanders, like he's this bad guy. It's like, as if, as if like people don't realize that, you know, some of these people actually like, you know, worked hard to, to, you know, to, to build something that created a lot of jobs for a lot of people and did a lot of good for society. Like the idea that Jeff Bezos is a bad person. Um, he might be a bad person. Like I know he's had some what extramarital affairs and, and things like that. Like that's, that, that's, that's like, you know, bad person. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like that, that's well, like he, he could be a bad person, but it, but it, but, but the, but being a billionaire doesn't inherently make somebody a bad person. Like, so, so my issue, like, that's just one example, but, but like my issue is that they're, they're on stage talking about how these billionaires are the bad people as if like every single billionaire, like by, by being a billionaire, it inherently makes you evil. And like, that's just such a ridiculous statement to make that like everybody who's a billionaire is evil. Like, it's, it, it, you know, and, and it goes to everything that he says. And it's the rhetoric that it really, really bothers me. I think it's I would, destructive. It's, I would go further. I think, you know, ideologically, and this goes, applies to Warren and actually to a lot of people in the Democratic Party, there is um, no appreciation for how wealth is created. There's a lot of focus on, you know, what the, the programs that they're going to spend the money on uh, and the redistribution of wealth. And I'm not opposed to redistributing wealth but you have to understand how wealth is created. And I've never heard, you know, Bernie Sanders has been in politics for almost five decades. I've never heard a word from him uh, of admiration for people who create wealth, for entrepreneurs, for small business owners, for the corporations that he rails about all the time and all the jobs that they create. You know, he just sees them as like a money tree to shake down and fund his programs. And I think, you know, Margaret Thatcher said it best. The only problem with socialism is you eventually run out of other people's money. And uh, he has these, you know, trillion dollar spending plans with no, you know, Pete Buttigieg has pointed this out. There's no plan for how to, how to actually fund these things. And, you know, Bernie, uh, he's never really accomplished anything. He's never really passed any significant legislation. Uh, Hillary Clinton was right. He doesn't work with anybody. And that's why he's not a member of the Democratic Party. He very stubbornly refuses to join, except every four years when he tries to hijack the presidential nomination, which he's trying to do now. So he's really just kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's very good at kind of shouting and, and critiquing and pointing out that there are real problems in our country. 
there are problems uh, related to the economy, to the working class, to all these things. But he, he doesn't have any practical solutions to them. Speaking of the shouting, by the way, not to not to dovetail this conversation, but Vice came out with the most ridiculous article that I've ever seen. First of all, Vice is just well, Dave, you're to disagree, but I I can't stand Vice. No, I, I, I actually I actually don't disagree. I think Vice is like some interesting pieces. I I think Vice tries too hard to be hip and cool. And yeah, they're they're they were a little too woke on this one. So basically, they had this article that well, first of all, like I, I I've joked a lot about Bernie's yelling, right? He's like. And another thing, like Bernie needs a new dentist. Like this guy's got crooked yellow teeth. Okay, right. He's just that like shouting, picky, but shouting. Okay. He's shouting on the stage at people. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, but Vice puts out this article that that basically says you're an anti-Semite if you don't like Bernie yelling at you on the stage, and that he is um, he's a Jewish man from Brooklyn, and that this is how Jewish men from Brooklyn talk. I think that's anti-Semitic. Right. But that's the, that was what was hilarious about it is that they, they painted this caricature that Jewish people from Brooklyn are just fucking obnoxious, basically. Like the piece itself was inherently anti-Semitic. But what, I, what, what was so amusing to me is like Vice, which, you know, is a v- fairly progressive outlet and, you know, probably puts out slam pieces about Israel every single day. Um, you know, in my estimation, not super kind to the Jewish folk. And that's just my opinion. But, you know, they want to hide behind Bernie Sanders being Jewish and use his Jewishness to, like, make it okay that he just shouts and rants at people and, like, wh- like while being anti-Semitic. But then they, they want to just ignore that he's Jewish anytime else or, or, or otherwise have any sort of, you know, <laughs> anything really that's, you know, uh, friendly to, the, for, to Jewish people that they publish. I mean, it was just a, just a ridiculous um, a ridiculous piece. And like, this is, this is, these are the people who support Bernie too. Like not, and I, I don't actually think this matters as much as, as a lot of people say, but it, it is, it is there. Like the people that support Bernie, I have found to be cult-like in the way that Donald Trump supporters are. Cult-like. I, I, not to the same, not, not, there's at least a, a coherent ideology behind it. I keep on going. Sorry. Well, no, I just, I, I, I think that there is this, uh, you know, there, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen Jojo Rabbit, but, you know, Jojo Rabbit, great movie. It's about, you know, the, you know, how, how people become blind to, to nationals and they blindly follow these leaders. I mean, I feel like that's like a Trump supporter in some ways. And I feel like that's like a Bernie supporter in a lot of ways. It, it, I, people can do no, can, they can do no wrong. I, it's, it, I, Bernie, Bernie's support is clothed in a cloth in, in support for certain policies, whereas Trump is just purely a cultural and personality driven group. Like that's much more akin to a cult than, than Bernie's. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I think that there is a, what's Trump's ideology. Um, well, I think, I think Trump's ideology kind of depends on the day. I mean, some days it's about border security other days, it's about the economy, I guess. I mean, but like, what, but what about the economy? Like, what, what is Trump's policy on the economy? What's his ideology on uh, economic policy? Um, I mean, I think on a high level, he probably wants to, you know, try to keep, uh, you, you know, not, not, not have government be too, too involved in economic policy. Um, but, but this is the same guy who, like, just look at the subsidies that he's offering to farmers. Like that, that's just like, that's, that's welfare. Right. But I think the, I think the point isn't about, 
like you can make it like a moral, like you can try to make it a moral thing. Like, if, you know, if you want to say that there's like a moral high ground to supporting Bernie versus Trump. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like fine, I guess. I mean, I, oh, I, mean, that, I, I, mean, I actually, I, I will like put my foot in the ground and say that there is absolutely a moral high ground with uh, supporting Bernie. I, I don't really necessarily know what one supports Trump over. To me, it's irrelevant though. The, 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 whether or not there's a moral high ground is like, it doesn't matter if, if the, if what the people are saying is fucking crazy then it, like, I don't care who has the moral high ground. Like you shouldn't support these people. Like that's, that's my, that's like my take on it. Jamie, you, you mentioned the, uh, the cost factor with Bernie, like how, how are we going to pay for these things? And uh, I, 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 what I find like a little, um, and like, I agree with you that one shouldn't be putting out policies that are, uh, that, that don't make sense. Um, however, like if you, I mean, the, the U.S. debt right now is at around $22 trillion, and, and a right. lot of that is through, um, through policies that were enacted with, with no plan to pay for them whatsoever, and particularly under the Trump and Bush administration. Um, both of those happen, and, and whether it be through tax cuts or through uh, or foreign intervention. Um, so I, I always, it is always interesting to me that, that it does seem a bit one party gets critiqued for economic policies while the other uh, seems to kind of fly under the radar and, and gets really greatly, gets very uh, conveniently labeled as the uh, fiscally responsible party. No, I think this has been a problem with Republican administrations really going back to, you know, Ronald Reagan, right? Is that they, yeah. there are massive tax cuts and then there's no um, correlate cuts in spending. And um, this is absolutely something, it's a, it's a bipartisan affliction. But I think, you know, Bernie is like on steroids. I mean, like the things that he's proposing, the size are just unprecedented um, in recent American history. Would any of this stuff even get done though? I mean, I guess- well, that's like, the thing, you need congressional, you know, you'd have to, yeah. you'd have to get Congress so, to support a lot of these things. And I would also add, you know, what's interesting is that a lot of Democrats running for Congress and Senate are terrified of Bernie Sanders being the nominee because they they're afraid that all those down ballot races are going to, yeah. they're going right. to lose. And you see that now they're coming out and they're already distancing themselves from this guy. So right. you know, the, all, what's happening right now in the, in the democratic party, it's very much deja vu with what happened with the Republicans in 2016, where you have this outsider who's a populist and he only has about maybe a third of the support, but it's more than anyone else. It's a, it's a plurality and you have the moderates fighting amongst themselves. Right. And uh, it's basically a hostile takeover of the party. And that's what Trump did. And that's what Bernie is, is doing. Do we think, though, that once people drop out, that this will balance out a little bit? Well, like for, too for, late. Well, why, why do you say that? Well, because the, de the delegates will have already been pledged to Bernie? Yeah, I'm not, I don't see anyone making any move to drop out. You know, Tom Steyer's not going anywhere. It's a total ego trip for him. Right? Well, he can afford it, yeah. But it's an ego trip. It's a total. The man is a is a is a monomaniacal megalomaniac. I mean, he's I mean, if any, if any, if these people really cared an, uh, as much about just defeating Donald Trump as much as they say they do on stage and how that's yeah. like the number one priority, wouldn't you think that they would like get in a room like a jury almost yes. and just be like, hey, which one of us is gonna like do this thing and which one of us is going to be the vice president like let's oh, get yeah this. and i would say that applies to lots of institutions particularly the media i mean people in the media they they tell us how much of a danger and a threat donald trump is but i mean he's signed he's he's responsible for their paychecks do you honestly think that jim acosta 
doesn't want Donald Trump to win re-election? Oh, I, 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 although I'm probably naive and, and, uh, over the optimistic, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think he does. I know. Well, I, like, trust me, I, I live in this town and I work with, yeah. with these people. <laughs> they, they, they will lose, they will, they will lose their meaning for life. Uh, <laughs> if Donald Trump goes away, I'm serious. There are people who wake up here and it's the whole resistance mindset. I mean, he, he gives their lives meaning, hating him and despising him and attacking him is well, what gets them out of bed. So I, I, that, I, I kind of want to just push back a little bit on that, um, on that, like that characterization, which is like, because you, you, to me, a lot of it's very reactionary. Like it's like Trump does something, then one reacts. And a lot of what he is doing, like is just, and we'll go into it later, like remarkably unprecedented and dangerous. And so the, the reaction of like hysteria, I, I think is warranted. Uh, well, it depends what you're talking about. I mean, I would just look at the Russia invest in, uh, investigation where people thought that Donald Trump was a Russian agent uh, and they were terrified and there were many um, mistakes that were made in the process at the FBI. And we know this because an inspector general's report came out and you know, Carter Page, who might be a, a doofus and an adult or whatever you want to call him, his constitutional rights were violated. Um, and the media uh, for three years basically peddled a conspiracy theory that the Trump campaign was collaborating, colluding was the word they used, with a foreign power in an Wait, unprecedented assault on our democracy. And but that you was, don't. And that was let me finish. And that was used. That was used to excuse and justify a lot of behavior and actions that I frankly think are either illegal or unethical. And it turned out that it wasn't true. Uh, that there was not collusion. That there was not uh, a conspiracy with Russia to steal the election. Okay, but a lot of people are behaving as if, oh, well, this guy is a fascist, he's illegitimate, he's doing things that are unprecedented, therefore, we're not going to stick by our principles and our rules, we're going to lower ourselves to his level. And that's where that that's what I have a problem with. So with the uh, collusions a very, uh, so uh, I haven't looked into this in a while, but I know collusion is a very specific term. Um, However, because that involves conspiracy and, and, mm -hmm. and but there, you didn't see the, the communication between the Trump administration, the Trump campaign team and there was Russia? No, uh, there, was, there was the meeting with the lawyer, the Russian lawyer, and you had, yeah. it, you had the email from Donald Trump. And uh, there was, I mean, he, would, he, would, he said, I would like to see something. And then they came and they talked and there was no information given. Um, so yeah, was there an attempt? Look, would, would these people have um, gone through with something that was illegal if they were given the opportunity? Yeah, probably because they don't have any scruples. Um, what? Uh, they, but was wasn't the uh, wasn't the push against Kushner and Trump, and Trump Jr. that they they were actually too naive and, and too fine? Anyway, <laughs> you anyway you do it. But I mean, how is that different than what the Clinton campaign did, which was to pay a former spy? for a, a British spy to go to Russia and to collect a bunch of opposition research that turned out to be bunk, okay? The Steele dossier, which was peddled around Washington and treated as if it were gospel and was actually used to get uh, warrants to surveil American citizens. Uh, that to me, I think is more evidence of collusion with, with foreigners, with, with foreign agents than what the Trump campaign did. So, 
you're going to know the, the, the distinctions better than me. However, like what from first, the steel dossier originally originated with the Washington Free Beacon, right? Yes, they paid, they paid for steel, but then they stopped paying once Trump won the nomination. And is opposition research where you are paying a, 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 a independent actor to research dirt on a candidate? Yeah. Is that far different than the than 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 Roger Stone working with Julian Assange uh, to get stolen documents to methodically to to release them, and then for the campaign, the Trump campaign, to be told Russia's interfering in the election on your behalf, and then to publicly deny that over and over and over again? and say that Russia didn't in fact interfere in our elections at all. I think what Trump has done is totally unethical and uh, I don't agree with it, but there's nothing illegal about, about what he did. And there's nothing illegal with what the Steele dossier was. I mean, that's not, it's not illegal to pay someone to go overseas and collect yeah. dirt on your opponent. I'm just saying that there's a lot more moral equivalence between the two than anyone in the Democratic Party or the media would like to admit. I, but the, but the, 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 the materials that the the materials of the steel dossier got weren't illegally uh that that's true were hacked. yeah there's no one hacked that's true yeah uh also i will say like uh working with a uh whether or not they worked with them there, there was communication with a with a uh with a hostile actor where the where steel's obviously not a hostile actor he's just a he's a private citizen well i think actually he was I think he, he was, his sources, I think, were Kremlin assets and Kremlin agents who were deliberately feeding him bullshit, okay? Like the, like the P-tape stuff uh, or the allegation that Carter Page was being given, you know, 20% ownership in a Russian gas company uh, in exchange for, I don't know, lifting sanctions. I mean, all that stuff, um, I think, was given, was fed to steel. By, by, by Kremlin agents. He thought that they were independent actors um, or he thought that the information he was getting was valid. And I think it just shows you that he's not a very good spy. I mean, he was being held up as this amazing super sleuth, this James Bond kind of guy. I think he's actually pretty, pretty, pretty credulous. And I, think, and I think people in the media in this country were pretty credulous. I mean, I read the Steele dossier when it came out and it struck me as fantastical from the very beginning. Um, and you don't need to be an expert in sort of Russian disinformation techniques to be suspicious of this. Um, but once Trump became president, it was just like, there's no more rules. There's no more standards. We're just going to take anything and throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. Um, and that's basically been the media's um, attitude towards Trump since he became president. And you know what? It's not working. Like you can just look at the polls and look at American attitudes towards the media. Um, they're in a bubble. Um, they're not going to have any effect on this election. Uh, I think they've lost the trust of the American people. And it's really sad because we have a president who, you know, lies every day, who, who abuses his power, um, who, uh, who does things, as you say, that are unprecedented. But, you know, there's just a large part of this country, for good reason, doesn't trust the media anymore. And it's frankly, it's not Donald Trump calling them the fake news media that's responsible for that. They've, they've made so many mistakes. So many, um, so many prejudicial mistakes. And now, Ber um, and now Bernie's telling people not to trust the media. Yeah, Bernie right. has the same attitude. I mean, but just also look at this, look at what just happened a couple of days ago where you had the FBI 
leaking to the media that they had briefed the Bernie campaign, that the Russians were supporting him, whatever that means, a day before the Nevada caucus. I mean, it is, you know, I don't want to sound like one of these deep state conspiracy theorists, but, and I'm not a Bernie supporter, but what the hell is going on when the FBI, okay, is act, they're acting like a deep state, you know, it's like they're in Turkey and they're, and they're leaking, they're, they're, they're interfering in the political process with these leaks. And that's what they've been doing throughout the entire Trump administration. I think it's really unhealthy in a democracy to have intelligence services that behave this way. But do you, do you, do you see though that perhaps that leaking has unfortunately been the only method of getting some information out when you have, when you are in fact punished for giving information that the president A doesn't like or B, you know, could contradict what he's saying? No, if the Russians are interfering in this election, then we should have congressional hearings and there should be open, okay? No, no, no more of, this, of, the, of, the, of these secret sessions and leaks. I think it's really uh, third world, frankly. Do, do you worry, though, about the Senate GOP voting down certain election security measures? That, that to me, is beyond reprehensible. I'm not, I don't think, I mean, I, I think that the rationale for that was that elections are generally a, a state responsibility and that they don't, they don't want the federal government getting involved. I'm not sure. It's not, it's not an issue I followed very closely. I, I don't buy into the kind of conspiratorial, you know, Moscow Mitch explanations that, that, that a lot of people on the left give that, you know, they're doing this because they know Russia is going to help Trump and they want to stop uh, any kind of scrutiny of that. I mean, I just, I mean, part, part of the reason why I've become much, much more skeptical of this narrative is because Donald Trump has been president for almost four years. And we can look at the policies towards Russia and they're not what we feared they would be when he was running for president. Like we're actually spending more on NATO. Um, you know, taking out Soleimani in Iran and bombing Syria, which are two Iranians, two Russian clients, that's not in the interests of the Russians. You know, what we're doing in Venezuela, which is an, another uh, Russian client state, trying to apply pressure on that government so Maduro will leave, that's not something that the Russians would be happy with. So I just, the, 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 the record of this president is not one of someone who is a Russian, you know, agent or dupe. And frankly, if I was Putin, I'd probably want Bernie Sanders over Trump at this point, because you look at Bernie Sanders, you look at what he wants to do. He wants to drastically cut the defense budget. He wants to get out of the Middle East. He's sympathetic to all these left-wing Latin American dictators who are allies of Russia. And he has a whole history of being a fellow traveler of the Soviet Union. So it's hard to think of a candidate whom they would like more from the perspective of Moscow than, than Bernie Sanders. But that's just my analysis of it. I don't claim to have any sort of you know, secret knowledge like the people in the intelligence community do. So for me, for me like the, 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 your opinion on the media is interesting because I, I see the media as far more sensationalist rather than having a specific lane. I think that the, 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 the right wing has tried to discredit mainstream media for so long and called it left-leaning, left-wing. And, and perhaps it, it's, I would imagine that most people working in media probably are left-wing, but I, I don't, they're not like an activist organization like a lot of the right-wing media, uh, which is entirely, you know, a lot of them are, are very activists. Like Fox News, if you watch the, you know, late-night opinion shows, or actually the entire channel now, with the exception of like maybe Chris Wallace, uh, is, is an activist, uh, activist station. I don't think it's any less act any any more activist than MSNBC. Oh, I I I just couldn't agree more. I couldn't disagree more. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think 
<laughs> the MSNBC will, uh, will, there are, I, the, the methods of journalism are far different too. Um, they're no less they're no less partisan in their approach than any than than Fox News. I don't see much of a distinction between Rachel Maddow and uh, Sean Hannity. I mean, they're both oh, I, they're, they're on opposite sides of the coin, but they're facts both. are. I mean, uh, I mean she Rachel was leading, Maddow. She was one of the leading conspiracy theorists when it came to the whole RussiaGate nonsense. But but uh, the but but the RussiaGate so but the RussiaGate nonsense. I. It's interesting that you. So many things have gotten thrown into Russia now where like the steel dossier has become kind of this, uh, this, this, this giant piece, but the steel dossier wasn't involved in the, in Mueller's investigation, the steel dossier, it, there was that, the, the right wing was trying to, the, the right wing actually pumped up the steel dossier almost far more than the left wing, because the right wing tried to use that as the, as the, the, the beginning of the Russian investigation with Mueller, when in fact, it, uh, the FBI got involved, when in fact it was George Papadopoulos and uh, being alerted by a, and then the FBI was alerted by a uh, Australian yeah. diplomat. So the Russian dossier, the uh, Steele dossier had no part in the- Not in the Mueller investigation, it had a part in, in the spying on the Trump campaign, which is what happened. There, were, there was spying on the Trump campaign by the, by the FBI. And it was mostly based on the Steele dossier, which was not accurate information. Um, and somebody, and there's actually probably going to be criminal prosecution of people at the FBI who were neglectful in their, in their duties. And again, this has to go back to people losing their standards. Why, where's the ACLU been on this issue? I mean, right, they're supposed to stand up for people's civil liberties and uh, surveillance programs that are out of control. And they did a lot of that when George W. Bush was president. I haven't seen them um, really uh, protest the FBI. And it's just amazing to see Democrats and liberals who usually are very critical of our intelligence community, of the CIA, of the abuses of our intelligence community, the FBI. And now they've become these, um, uh, you know, portraying people like Jim Comey uh, and, and, uh, in spot, and intelligence professionals as heroes. So it's just a strange kind of, you know, funhouse mirror of um, where we are usually politically, just just because of Trump. Well, I think that's largely the fact that the 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 Trump administration and the new Republican motto has been to just throw basically discredit uh, our our institutions. And yeah, I mean they've gone a little too far. But again, like there's been well, a lot of people within these institutions who do a good who do a good job of discrediting them themselves. I think it's hard to think of a worse FBI director, save J. Edgar Hoover probably, than, than Jim Comey. And this, guy's, and this guy's treated as some sort of, you know, hero of democracy. It's absurd. Or Andy McCabe. Um, uh, and I just, I just think people have just sort of forgotten their, their standards because they hate Trump so much and they have this blinding hatred of him that anyone who can sort of portray themselves um, as a critic of Donald Trump becomes a hero like and you know what it's 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 kind of long past time that that there be a little more scrutiny of these characters i mean look look at michael avenatti and look at how popular he was and he was on television every hour and yeah. there were people seriously talking about him becoming a presidential candidate and there's just a whole line of these sort of resistance grifters yeah uh and there's just no scrutiny anymore anyone who just you know 
And there's all these guys like the Krasenstein brothers on the internet. And there's just all these people making a buck off of Trump. And, you know, Adam Schiff, I think I would, I would group him in that category as well. No. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The guy's a failed screenwriter uh, who now gets to script his own Hollywood drama and he's the star of it. And that's basically what this entire proceeding was. Um, there's been no apologies from him. Okay. You go back and you see the things that he was saying in 2017 and 2018. I have access to the secret information that no one else has seen, but you're, we're, we're going to find out that there's been this collaboration and conspiracy and collusion. And then it all collapsed with the mother investigation. And it's like, we're going to move on to the next thing. It's Ukraine now. And it's the phone call. And if you want to understand why people, I think, um, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, what Trump did with Ukraine was genuinely really bad. It was bad. But you know what? When you spent three years peddling a conspiracy theory to the American people uh, that, proves, that proves to be false, you know, a lot of people just aren't going to believe you next time. And this is the problem, I think, with the left and the media in general. It's like it's the boy who cried wolf every day. You know, Trump is destroying democracy. Uh, the world is coming to an end. Um, he's Hitler. He's this. He's that. And then, you know, the predictions don't pan out. Uh, and the average person who isn't living in this, you know, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post bubble, which is most of the country, looks at them and just kind of shakes their head and doesn't understand what all the hoopla is about. Well, case, case, in, case in point there is like Chris Matthews, I guess, last night after Bernie won uh, Nevada, he's like comparing it to the Nazi occupation of France. And, and yeah, like, you know, I mean, like that's, that's just like ridiculous. It's not, not even remotely. I mean, it's all, it's it, it, somebody who studied the Nazi occupation of France, it's like almost offensive. I mean, it's like, seriously, the guy wins. First of all, we established that caucuses are fucking dumb, right? They're just like model UN. It's like a high school model UN conference, you know? I mean, I mean, he's comparing it to the, you know, the downfall of France. I mean, it's, this is what you get with, with you know, mem members of the media. So, uh, um, Jamie, when you, when you were mentioning like the, uh, the, the uh, and we could argue about, I don't consider the Russian investigation to be a hoax. And I, I actually think, I don't think it was, I don't know, the, the, the investigation was entirely legitimate. And I supported the mother investigation and I support the results, which did not, which did not find a criminal conspiracy. And I wish that the people, um, you know, at MSNBC or in the leaders of the Democratic Party, wish they would accept the results as well. Did you find though that did, did the what Mueller find did what Mueller found though did that trouble you what Mueller ultimately found? Well, what he mostly found had to do with the Russian side of the equation, right? Which we knew. We knew that the Russians intervened. We knew that they hacked. We knew that they leaked and that they used WikiLeaks. We knew all of that, and I'm glad that we now have a you know a thousand page report detailing it and and spelling it out. The other half of the equation, which is what the when I am talking about the conspiratorial mindset of the left was that they said that all, this, all these measures that the Russians were doing were in cahoots with the Trump campaign. And that's, Mueller didn't find any evidence for that. But you listen to people like Adam Schiff or most of the Democratic candidates, and they persist in this myth that, that Trump or his associates were actively colluding with, with, with a foreign power. And there just, there just wasn't evidence of that. Did, so I... I have, a, I have a bit of a different interpretation of the Mueller investigation, but did the, did the Republican, so to me, the most, the most troubling thing through, through the whole entire situation was the, uh, was the Repub congressional Republican behavior and the Trump administration um, uh, behavior during the investigation. Uh, 
um, you know, did, did interfering with the investigation, you know, potentially threatening to remove him. Uh, he, he tried, but he actually ordered Don McGahn to, and Don McGahn didn't go through. And I think we see this with a lot of Trumpian behavior is he's sort of a, he, he's like playing a dictator on television. I mean, he issues these threats, he says these things and then nothing happens. And that's sort of what happened with the Ukraine call. Uh, you know, he's, he, the, the aid actually went through and there were no investigations. But the aid went through after they got caught for withholding sure. it. Sure. And I think, and I support what the whistleblower did and the system works. I don't think we needed to impeach him over it. That's, I think he, he could have been censured for it. Um, but I don't, I don't like the, you know, this, this, this notion that he's this tyrant without, you know, acting, acting without boundaries. I mean, I think the system is working. I think we have a pretty resilient system and it's, it's containing his worst impulses. I, I think we've been very lucky in certain situations. Yeah. Like when, when you say he plays a, uh, a dictator on TV, the, the call to Don McGahn to remove Mueller wasn't on TV. That was behind closed doors. That was an action. Yeah, but I'm saying his advisors, you know, his, McGahn said, no, I'm not going to do it. And that's where it ended. So I, 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 I now want to just touch on the, the last subject I was bringing up, which is, which is the recent activity uh, of the Trump administration. So that, so we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to touch Bloomberg, huh? <laughs> I, I had a conspiracy theory about Bloomberg, but I don't, know if, you, I don't know if you're ready to hear it. I yeah. don't think, I don't, so I don't think Bloomberg's actually running for president. I think he, so he's obviously running for president, but what I mean is I don't think he's trying to run for president. I think what, what's going on is that everyone's like, Hey, this crazy guy, Bernie, he's running for president. We can't let it happen. Bloomberg, we're going to put you on the stage. We're going to put you right next to Elizabeth Warren. And she's just going to maul you to death. And that way we're going to make Elizabeth Warren, we're going to make her great again so that people actually will support her. Um, I think that they literally put him on the stage so that Liz Warren can just go nuts on him and gain some steam. And I think they're just going to keep putting him up there right next to Warren and just have her just like eviscerate him and, and hope that it, that they can use it to build momentum, you know, behind anybody that's not Bernie. Oh, I don't think the left wants Elizabeth Warren as president. I don't think they want Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. I, I think that they had their, if they had their druthers, it would be like a Amy Klobuchar. Really? You think that? I think that, I think that they'd be okay with Warren. Why do you, uh, why, do, why do you think that? I mean, I, I feel, I, I feel like she's a, a lot less polarizing than Sanders. Perhaps, but her, her policies aren't, um, aren't super different from Bernie's. They're not, but they, but they, but they do, they do stop, like they do stop uh, a point, you know, they, they, they don't like cross a certain line. Like even for her medic Medicare for all policy, doesn't she still believe that you could have your own private insurance? Whereas Bernie just wants to like wipe everything out. No, I think she's, she's, I think she is uh, uh, no private insurance. Oh, she is. Okay. Amy, yeah, you know better than us. Jamie, you, know? Um, you know, I actually don't. I'm not. A, I, I haven't been following that aspect. Uh, I th she supports Medicare for all, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Yeah, but I just didn't know if uh, I feel. I felt like in some of her policies, she was a little less ridiculous than Bernie. But maybe no. I think she's more mod. She's portrayed herself as being more moderate than him. But I think this has been why she's ultimately failed is because I think there's a large part of the Democratic Party that you know they don't want uh, Coke lights. They want old-fashioned Coke. You know, and they don't want they don't want socialism light. They want, you know, real the real deal. And that's Bernie. He's been saying the same thing uh, since the Roosevelt administration. Um, so that's what they want to go with. 
Got it. All right. Well, I'll let you move on, Dave. I just wanted to, I just wanted to present my conspiracy. No, the, the Bloomberg thing was really sad. I, I think it was just, uh, it, it was just remarkable that Bloomberg hadn't focused on what were clearly going to be two topics, the stop and frisk and also the NDAs that were uh, signed with his former employees. It's weird he didn't have good responses to those questions. Yeah, it was bizarre. He he yeah. he genuinely looked like a deer in headlights. I was confusing him. That's why that's why I think he's not running for president. I think he's just putting all of his money into he's putting I, I and what's funny too is that all these people like the Warren supporters, the Bernie supporters, they hate Bloomberg. He's a billionaire, you know, whatever. You know, like you know, they'll come up with all these different reasons to to hate the guy. And I think that they don't realize uh that that he's he you know, when it's all said and done that he was kind of a martyr. I think he's up there to try to boost uh boost everybody else saying i'm gonna sit up on the stage everybody not named bernie make fun of me so you can look good and um and i think that's what he's trying to do i i think i i genuinely think he's not trying to win i think he's just sitting up there says just come at me bro and uh you know just i think that's just i think that that is the strategy Bloomberg has a massive ego and is like notoriously thin-skinned so i cannot imagine that bloomberg would like want to subjugate himself to that but well, let's see what happens because he looked he looked awful my my so my the last uh thing i wanted to just briefly touch on where was like just the the flurry of activity uh by the trump administration in the last few in the last uh, week or so uh after the post impeachment acquittal uh so it was removal of key witnesses um after the uh the trial uh like vinman and, and sondland um and, and and to be fair like he has the ability to let them go, but it was done in the very public way that was meant to show that it was uh, retribution. Um, the insertion of the, the DOJ getting involved in, in cases like Stone, um, Roger Stone, the, the, the recent pardons of white collar criminals like Ligoyevich and, and Milken. Um, and, uh, and then um, the, the, the movements in the cabinet, like the, uh, removal of the, or I guess the resignation, but it seemed like it was a bit forced of the DNI McGuire uh, and, and appointment of uh, Richard Gunnell, a pretty just purely political figure. So those are, those are things, uh, I don't know, Jamie, when you said like things are still, the system's working, th those are areas where I, I don't feel like it's working. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, was Gordon Sondland a good ambassador? Is he someone that should have stayed in that job? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think he was kind of a buffoon. He should have never been appointed in the first place, I think. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't think it's a great loss to our diplomatic corps that Gordon Sondland is no longer the ambassador of the European Union. But the um, justification of it concerns me. Yeah, I guess. Fine. Um, the other moves, um, Again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not sure that I would uh, raise the alarm, pitch to 11, on relocating uh, Vindman to the Defense Department. If there, you know, if, if I think Trump was calling for investigations, I think that's obviously over, overboard. But again, like a lot of things, he, he says things and they don't, they don't happen. You know, we have a large bureaucracy and, uh, often his worst impulses are stymied or he has a, he has a short attention span. He just tweets something and it, it, there's no follow through. There's, 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 there's no follow up. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure that, that we need to worry so much about that. 
But it, there largely hasn't been follow-up because you, you would have career officials in there. So you had a guy originally like an HR ma- McMaster. You had a, uh, a Jim Mattis who would be able to, and, and Tillerson, who would at least push back against Trump di- trying to do certain things. Like Trump not being able to do certain things isn't for a lack of trying. It's just for just ineptitude. Uh, he doesn't yeah. know how to do. So yeah. but when, you, when you put in people like a Grinnell into a, the, the, the he's going to be there for, he's, he's going to be acting for three weeks while they find a permanent, a, a, a permanent person for the job. Um, so that's not, I mean, they've, they've acknowledged that he probably wouldn't be able to get Senate approval. Let's not forget. There's a Senate uh, advising consent component to this. Um, the president can't, just can't, you know, just appoint whoever he wants. He has to get approval for cabinet level appointments. Um, so, you know, uh, Mr. Grinnell will be enacting DNI for a couple of weeks um, as a placeholder while they nominate someone else who can, you know, would, would have to get Senate approval. Such as a Doug Collins. Uh, I th- well, the name I heard potentially was Pete Hoekstra, who's the current ambassador to the Netherlands and was a former chairman of the intelligence committee, a uh, former Republican congressman you know, who's well qualified for the job. Is it, is it, is, now remind me, you know this better than me, is it three weeks, the, the, uh, is that the limit that one I is able to? I actually don't know. I haven't followed the intricacies of this that closely. Because uh, when I hear acting, you know, a lot of Trump's uh, yes. cabinet has not been filled or is acting. Yes. That's so Grinnell could hypothetically be in there for a year. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's possible. And I don't think, I don't think that, I don't, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. And, and then uh, with the, uh, the, the recent pardons were very interesting. I mean, they were like, if we were living in normal political times, they would be uh, well, again, huge. Again, you know, again, let's go back and look at, I mean, do you know who Mark Rich was? Are you familiar with the Mark Rich? Pardon? Yeah, from the Clinton. Okay. Yeah, from the Clinton. Uh, yeah. The, okay, the Puerto Rican terrorists whom Bill Clinton pardoned because his wife was running for Senate and in New York state and needed the Puerto Rican vote. I mean, look, I'm not defending these pardons, but the notion that they are unprecedented and there's sort of moral corruption, I think is just, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. It, it was just very interesting moves. Not um, surprising, but look, you know, people were saying he's gonna pardon Roger Stone and he could do that if he wants. The president, you know, if there's one area that get where, the, where the president has, you know, ultimate, you could say dictatorial powers, it's the pardon power. He can pardon anyone for any reason that he wants at any time. Um, yeah, sorry. And he could pardon, everyone's saying he's going to pardon Roger Stone. And if, if he did, I agree, it would be a total scandal. But he hasn't yet, so. Do you, do you so, well, yes, he, does he, does he legally have the power to do that? Yes. Yeah. However, like, is he abusing the, uh, the original justification? For- no, more than Bill, no, no more than Bill Clinton did. I don't know enough about it, so I, I can't weigh in on that. But uh, now, when you mentioned the Roger Stone case, does I, I'm interested to hear your take on 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 Barr getting involved in that case and um, and pushing for a, a shortening of the yeah, case. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I it's probably not uh, probably wasn't the right move to uh, go over the heads of the line of the line prosecutors. Um, you know, was he doing it as a, because he was ordered to do so by the president? I haven't seen evidence of that. Uh, and he actually came out and said, and you hardly ever see anyone do this, 
in a, in, in a cabinet job in the Trump administration, he criticized the president and said that his tweeting is making my job difficult. Um, so I think that's evidence that he is, you know, he was acting independently here and he doesn't like the, and he, and he is acknowledging that the president's behavior and tweets um, at least give the appearance of there being some sort of improper um, actions or, or politicized actions on the, on, on the part of the Justice Department. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that he tweeted out uh, how ridiculous the policy was towards uh, Roger Stone and said, yeah. you know, do something about it. You should not uh, be doing that. I mean, but again, you know, Barack Obama said during the um, investigation into Hillary Clinton's abuse of her email system, he said, uh, I, I don't have the quote in front of me. He basically said um, what she did, she, she didn't do anything wrong. And that's also, you know, the president of the United States should not be commenting on ongoing uh, investigations that his Justice Department is undertaking. That's not the role of the president. That, you know, if we're going to keep the Justice Department independent from the political powers of the presidency, then the president should not be interfering in that way. And I think it was wrong for President Obama to, to say that at, at the time, just as I think it's wrong for President Trump to be making all these comments about, um, you know, various investigations or, or, or criminal cases. I, I, I very much agree uh, in that. Um, I do see the, 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 uh, the crimes themselves, uh, uh, they're, they're different, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think that one was blown far beyond, Hillary's emails was blown beyond comprehension of the, how, how big, how big it became for what was a minor thing and, and actually found out not to really have done anything wrong. Um, additionally, it's, it's behavior that's done by, you know, Trump himself, Ivanka and Jared. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Jeff, anything? Well, I was on mute there. Um, no, I mean, you know me, Dave, this is like another episode of Game of Thrones where there's some characters who've been killed off and there's <laughs> new characters that uh, have been introduced. And this is just a television series that I never got into that all my friends are talking about. It's like, you know, uh, did you see this thing on, have you seen this show on Netflix? And it's like, well, I know that, I know that people like watching it, but I don't really, I don't really follow it. So, so no, I don't have much to add to this piece, unfortunately. It is a lot to keep up with and it's a, a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. I know all, I all, like, you know, I just kind of, like I said before, I kind of just assume that Trump's doing some, you know, he's being, being a bad guy. And then I don't really think much more about it. Maybe that means that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe that makes me an asshole because I'm not paying attention, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with all this. Jamie is, would you consider right now to be an exciting time to work in your field? No, uh, <laughs> actually not, not, not at all. I think, um, I think Trump has made uh, everyone into into idiots in a way, um, and uh, it's become like a reality television show. It's like a soap opera. Um, and if you're interested in policy, you know, and sort of issues of policy, then uh, it's just a very difficult um, field to to navigate because uh, everyone's obsessed with the kind of soap opera drama. You know, who's in, who's out, what did he tweet? Um, that it's just very frustrating. I can imagine. It's just a lot of noise. Yeah. Um, well, Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, Jeff, I will, uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah.